0: News Talk 1110 993 WBT 704 570 1110 1 800 WBT 1110. Uh, Mainly, uh, just to answer the question that I think probably most people would have right now, mainly it was due to scheduling. It's just uh, that's how that happened scheduling. And uh, and then, of course, you know, a bunch of news conferences. So sometimes you just got to. You just got to do the interview. Okay. Uh, no, but it was, it, I, I enjoyed reading uh, through. And if you know somebody that enjoys uh, textiles and knitting and sewing and all that stuff, uh, or worked in the industry, I think they would uh, enjoy the book. So I uh, appreciate Virginia Postrel uh, joining us for that. And uh, I am going to uh, now go to uh, the Democrats who held a press conference in Raleigh. These are state Democratic lawmakers and I did notice. I think Braxton Winston, the Charlotte City Councilman, drove all the way to Raleigh. I'm not sure if he was there on other business, but he dropped in on this press conference, and which is weird too, because there wasn't more. I, I I expected there to be like all the Democrats there, but there wasn't. It was there was like, know, it was like seven standing there. But whatever. Um, so they held this news conference yesterday in response to Mark Robinson's. Video comments that were uh circulated by the left wing super PAC. And um uh, to do, 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 do where is it here? Oh, here, sorry. I had the Charlotte Observer story, which is basically oh, it's the new it's the Raleigh News and Observer reporter uh, Danielle Daniel Battaglia who did the story. It's a very lengthy piece. And um to do, 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 do they have here Representative Marsha Mori, a uh Durham Democrat she called robinson's uh focus on these books that are in the library she says that this is a bait and switch okay so uh here is state representative marsha mori she's actually a former judge as well
1: um i'm uncomfortable being here i'd much rather be debating criminal justice issues and children's rights and voting rights and real issues that affect our state but last week the lieutenant governors lit a match of hatred and intolerance that deserves a response from gay elected officials, and it's what our constituents want us to do. I stand here supporting my colleagues, Representative Dahl and Alston, and cannot tell you how much it means for our other colleagues to be here. Hate and name-calling has no place in the public discourse. Just like the N-word is abhorrent, so is calling transgenderism and homosexuality as filth. Tolerance is what makes us stronger. It makes us empathetic. And I wish the elected leaders on the other side of the aisle would also condemn any language that is divisive. Words have consequences. And leaders have responsibilities. And some of those responsibilities are to keep young people in our state safe and not sow division. Today is a call not to hide or be ashamed. Today is a call to protect and stand up for our youth who are questioning, seeking, finding their place in the world, be it straight, queer, gay, transsexual. And our state leaders should and must embrace our young people's identities and their futures. Where would we be without Leonardo da Vinci, or Alan Turing, or Sally Ride, Ellen DeGeneres, Polly Murray, Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow, Billie Jean King, I could go on. They were children once too, and what message would they get if their state political leader had called them filth? We must demand a comprehensive non-discrimination policy in North Carolina, as many counties are doing, and we must protect those who look like us, that they will be secure in their jobs, housing, education, and they will have dreams of a good future. As Governor Cooper said yesterday in a uh, tweet, North Carolina is a welcoming, inclusive state. And may our words always reflect that.
0: OK, uh, so obviously Democrats see this as a, a, a good issue for them to draw attention away from a lot of the you know not so great news going on for Democrats. Polling, the trend has been very, very bad for Democrats. They are aware of this. And uh, there is a belief among a lot of uh, politicos that another HB2 type of an issue will be very good for Democrats. Uh, Here's a perfect example. Brent Woodcox, who is a uh, a lawyer up in the Senate for the majority, he's a Republican. And uh, he went on to Twitter today and he says, if the North Carolina GOP gets dragged back to a time... When its policy agenda was based on HB2-style fights, the party will lose badly and deserve it. As a reminder, that's how we got Roy Cooper in the first place. Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. The uh, he, and This is a very similar message that the North Carolina House Democrats tweeted. That is the same Twitter account, by the way, that attacked a local lawyer for... Uh, a DUI arrest years and years ago. Uh, He's been sober ever since. He said it was the turning point in his life, but it doesn't matter. They used it to attack him. And uh, so this is their, and they refuse to say who's behind the account, although everybody kind of understands that it's like a couple of their low, their state elected representatives in the house. Um, The uh, they put out a statement on the Twitter saying that the GOP goes all in on Mark Robinson's divisive statements as it appears prepared to take North Carolina into a new era of HB2-style boycotts. All right, now, to be clear, if there are any boycotts of North Carolina, it will be because the Democrats want them. Okay? Like, just to be clear, you, you guys are the reason why any boycotts would occur. I want all media to understand this as well, because they generally get involved in the whipping up of the boycott hysteria too. So if there is a boycott and you are, if you are interested in extracting uh, uh, damage from the economy, then uh, that will be your decision. Just like it was with HB2. That'll be on you guys because you guys were the ones who went out and asked businesses to punish the state in an effort to get the policy overturned. Now, How you intend to do that here? Like, I don't know. Are you going to demand that uh, businesses don't locate in North Carolina unless Mark Robinson resigns? Is that the play? As I said, if there's going to be any kind of economic fallout from this, it will be because Democrats will it to be so. Much like elections, they are what media make them. Boycotts are generally what Democrats uh, make them. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure anybody's going to be like, "Well, I'm not going to North Carolina because that guy who has been in office for a year said something that I disagree with." But maybe so. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe I think businesses might look at more than just, you know, like one temporary elected leader, but that's just my opinion. That's REM news talk 11 nine three WBT you can email Pete at the dot com some of the comments that Marsha Mori made state representative um in the press conference that the Democrats held yesterday up in Raleigh in response to Mark Robinson's uh pulpit sermon is it a guest sermon is that what that was from back in June um She says that we have to condemn that political leaders must condemn any language that's divisive, any language that's divisive. This is a different standard. I am aware of lots of things that Democrats have said about Trump supporters, for example. I've not heard condemnation. I mentioned earlier the Twitter account. There were only like one or two Democrats that rose up in opposition to that. I didn't hear any Democrats complaining about various comments that were made by uh, the candidate for Congress, Mo Davis, talking about murdering Republicans. Didn't hear anything about that. So I'm not really clear if this is like a universal standard or whatever. I did think this was an interesting question. Somebody asked, "Did anybody, uh, did anybody in the GOP reach out to any of the members that were at this press conference.
1: And I guess, uh, the to, to that have any of y'all reached out to Lieutenant Governor Robinson or anyone else on the other side of the aisle to ask if they would be willing to sit down and talk through some of these issues or is
0: that? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, That state representative, Allison Dahl, uh, uh, who is a member of the LGBTQ plus community, right? She she's literally laughing in derision at the idea that she would go talk to Mark Robinson about this. I mean, I I, I don't know. I uh, it seems to me like there might be some benefit to going and talking to this person that says he's not attacking you. But you obviously think he is. But then listen to this.
2: I try really hard not to, you know, if somebody wants to to learn more and to talk to me, then they can come and talk to me. But to go and seek out um, hatred is really not on my list of things to do.
0: To go seek out hatred is not on my list of things to do. That's what she said. (laughs) But if they want to come talk to me, okay, I'll make some time for hatred. I'll pencil you in, but I'm not going to go seek it. <laughs> it's an interesting standard. All right, and then uh, they are asked, well, look, the lieutenant governor said he was referring to teaching about it, which he was not referring to teaching about it. Specifically, he said that, this, that uh, these ideas are throughout education, and these folks are pushing ideas into K-12 education, which, of course, they are, by the way. They call it... You know, inclusion, and there are all sorts of names for these types of programs. So they're they're in the schools, and obviously. So I mean, there's no denying that. Now, the specific materials they do appear on library shelves in certain uh, schools around the state, right? But but the concepts are well entrenched in government schools. Which, by the way, um, as I mentioned earlier, like about the politics. If you're if you're not into politics, then you should be into smaller government. If you get government out of things, then you remove politics from those things generally. I mean, you're still going to have inter-office politics, but stuff doesn't turn into this. And if you don't want somebody like Mark Robinson being in charge of education, and if you do want somebody like Mark Robinson being in charge of education, like if depending on where you come down on this issue, you both should be on the side of school choice. Because this way, everybody gets what they want. But I suspect there are a lot of people who are not interested in letting others make their own choices on things here. All right, let me get to this. So he says, well, he, these Democrats are asked, well, wait a minute. He was saying it's just about the, uh, the presentation of this material in schools. And uh, Allison Dahl starts responding and then Representative Vernetta Alston speaks.
2: You know, if you're going to refer to it as, number one, that wasn't the statement. The statement, and I wrote it down because I the statement was, no reason for anybody anywhere in America to discuss that bill. That was the statement, period. So that doesn't seem like it was focused on education to me. Okay. Um, and just to follow up, I mean, some of the, you know, you showed in the video, i you've sure seen, and there's some books um, that are, I, know, I guess, in, in certain libraries. Um, you know, can you understand parents being just uncomfortable with this? Then don't check out the books. I'm so, I, I don't mean to be, but there have been book bans for as long as I can remember. And in history, there are book bans and people who burn books. And that didn't stop those publications so if you don't like it don't turn on the tv and don't
0: read the book right all right so there you go that's it so i don't have a problem with this stuff being on the shelves if you don't like the book don't read it and if your kid uh doesn't want to be exposed to this kind of graphic material well then uh don't send your kid to well actually you do have to send your kid to the school i guess so then tell your kid not to read it And, of course, if you want the stuff removed from the shelves, well, thats I'm not really sure how that happens because we have professionals that determine that sort of thing. So it's not really even up to you. So shut up and bake the cake already. (laughs) That's kind of a very heavy vibe of shut up and bake the cake, right? (laughs) Uh, Also, she was incorrect earlier when she said that... uh, that he's not talking about education in general. He literally said this is about education. All right, so as I went over earlier in the program, the, the standard here is whether or not an evangelical Christian with beliefs about homosexuality and transgenderism being sin, are they allowed to be elected in North Carolina? Are they allowed to serve in elective office? Even if they don't use the office to advance their religious beliefs, are they allowed to serve in office? That seems to me to be the question in play. Now, everybody wants to not talk about that question in play because I think it's actually pretty advantageous for the Christians and Republicans in this case, but we shall see. But it is part and parcel of a larger uh, debate in the society and this this concept of uh, authoritarianism. And apparently, I was not really aware of this, and I kind of feel like I've, I, I, I'm I don't want to say I'm pretty well read on current events. Just you know, not for nothing. I'm not bragging, but I'm I'm pretty up to speed. But I was not aware, did you know that apparently in the world of psychology, particularly political psychology, that the idea of left wing authoritarianism doesn't exist? Were you aware of that? Yeah, it sounds insane. It's <laughs> uh of course it does. It's almost it's almost like when I read this I almost thought um real socialism has never been tried, you know? <laughs> that line. Like the, this rejection of reality because it doesn't fit. It's this cognitive dissonance, right? Cuz it doesn't fit with the uh with the prior opinion and so it has to just be discarded. So there's a piece by Emma Young at the BPS Research Digest. I believe this is out of England. And she writes, authoritarianism has been well studied by psychologists. Well, right-wing authoritarianism has. In fact, as that's typically the only type that's studied, you may be forgiven for thinking that's what authoritarianism is. The very idea of left-wing authoritarianism, or LWA, has received not only little academic attention, but a lot of skepticism from psychologists. So they're outright skeptical of it. Like, I'm not so sure that leftists can be authoritarians. What about you, fellow leftists? Oh, I quite agree. They cannot be. There was a pioneer of work on right-wing authoritarianism back in 1996, Bob Altemeyer, who said, I think I have not found any authoritarians on the left because if there ever were any... Most of them have dried up and blown away. They just don't exist. It just doesn't happen. However, New Research I'm not kidding, this is New Research at Emory University by Thomas Costello and several other colleagues I have a new paper at the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology Personality Processes and Individual Differences. That's on my bedstand. Um They have a paper, a new paper out called From Maoist China to the Khmer Rouge and perhaps even the French Reign of Terror. History abounds with examples of left wing authoritarianism at the broader societal level, rendering psychology's inability to identify left wing authoritarians puzzling. That's what these researchers wrote. Sorry, did I say that was the title? That's not the title. That would be a really ridiculously long title. That's just what they wrote. The fact that these examples exist, yet psychologists cannot identify them as examples of left-wing authoritarianism raises a bunch of questions, doesn't it? It should. So left-wing authoritarianism does indeed exist. And they define not only its characteristics, but the characteristics of the people who subscribe to it. They also uh, reveal substantial similarities between authoritarians on the political right and the political left, right? Shocking. Authoritarians will use right-wing and left-wing ideology in order to advance their authoritarianism aims. So they ended up with 39 different items reflected in three dimensions. These are conceptually distinct dimensions of left-wing authoritarianism, okay? Here, here they are. These are the three dimensions. Number one, anti-hierarchical aggression, which is the belief that the people currently in power need to be punished. The belief that the established order should be overthrown and that extreme actions like political violence are justifiable to achieve those aims. Does that sound familiar, anybody? (coughs) So that's the first one, anti-hierarchical aggression, right? So violence against the hierarchy or those in charge. Okay, number one. Number two, anti-conventionalism, the rejection of traditional values, a moral absolutism concerning progressive values and concomitant dismissal of conservatives as inherently immoral and a need for political homogeneity in one's social environment. Well, that's the left right there anti-conventionalism they reject traditional values even the ones that work even the ones that benefit people (laughs) that studies show benefit people they reject them right just because well that's the way it's done so we have to you know move forward progress they also exhibit a moral absolutism concerning their values and at the same time they dismiss their opponents conservatives and dub them to be inherently immoral. Does any of that sound familiar, like it's attached to what we've been discussing with Mark Robinson? And a a need for political sameness in their social environment, right? Bake the cake, bigot. You don't get to have a different opinion or religious belief. Sorry, you don't. And if you do, you got to leave the society. you got to leave the town square. You don't get to participate in my society. And the third... Area. The third dimension of left-wing authoritarianism is top-down censorship, preferences for the use of governmental and institutional authority to squash opposition and bar offensive and intolerant speech. This is happening on college campuses, right? It's happening in Canada with their speech codes. It's happening with the language police coming along and saying, you need to, you know, don't you dare dead name somebody. You don't get to say that this 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 lifestyle is Phil, right? The policing of this stuff and saying, well, if you say these things, <clears throat> if you believe in these things, then that means you are inherently immoral. And you need to be censored. You don't get to say that. You don't get to exist in the public square. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, all day tomorrow is Thursday. But tomorrow night at 730, we're doing Talktoberfest. And this week's lineup on the live stream Talktoberfest event, starting at 7 30 tomorrow, is Mark Garrison and Brett Jensen. They will be uh, tag teaming tomorrow evening, starting at 7 30. Go to the Facebook page for WBT Radio. And uh, that's how there's a link there. I'll be dropping in as well, not for the live stream. I'm going to, I'll be hanging out in the comment section. Yeah, the peanut gallery. I'll be throwing them, like, really awkward questions to answer. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Like peanut shells? Like eating the whole peanut shell. No, I'm curious if they will discuss Mark Garrison's uh, recent visit up to the uh, state fair. Probably. Yeah, where he sampled the seven varieties of deep-fried Twinkies. No, I'm kidding. I don't know how many varieties they have. So what you're saying is you shouldn't go into this little chat room on an empty stomach? Well, it's 7.30. (laughs) You probably shouldn't. It's like, uh, you know, if you're going to a wedding at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like, you should expect to eat afterwards if they don't feed you. But, like, you should definitely eat before you go. So, have a beer with you. It is Talktoberfest, after all. Uh, All right, so back to this piece. By the way, you can read it at digest.bps.org.uk. But the title is Left-Wing Authoritarianism Is Real and needs to be taken seriously in political psychology, according to a new study at Emory University. And for, I think, a lot of people on the right who have been watching left-wing authoritarianism, like, this strikes us as, like, really? You guys were not aware that this was a thing? Like, do you not know any history? Are you not paying attention to anything going on right now? The researchers ran studies using participants and uh, self-report scales, So look at everything from personality to mood to cognition, and they found a few differences between left-wing and right-wing authoritarians. So people who scored highly on the LWA, on the left scale, they reported more negative emotions and were more neurotic than average. And that is not the same As the right wing authoritarians, right wing authoritarians did not have more negative emotions, nor were they more neurotic. Okay, which, by the way, people on the left test higher on the neuroses level than people on the right, just generally. So this makes sense. So they were also more likely to report schadenfreude. And that explains social media. (laughs) that that right there explains virtually everything on social media right now right people left-wing authoritarianism the people who exhibit these traits and and drift towards that uh, uh, that those concepts they they love the misery of others they revel in the misery of other people they celebrate it this is how you get i mentioned her the other day jenna wadsworth She ran for state agriculture commissioner, and that's why she thought it was totally fine to go out there and publish a video where she was like, how awesome is it that Trump got COVID? They don't don't see anything wrong with it. And then even after the outrage ensued and she took down the video, she said, I'm only taking it down because you people are misconstruing it. You know, all I'm doing is calling attention to the need for a COVID strategy. Like, that's not what people were attacking you for, right? Uh, right Right-wing authoritarians, they actually score higher for unjustified certainty in their beliefs and confirmatory thinking, which is a tendency to favor information that supports your beliefs. That makes sense, too, doesn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, What else here? Right-wing authoritarians RWA, was also more strongly linked to cognitive rigidity and low openness, as well as lower-than-typical belief in science. So all of those things sort of make sense, too, don't they? I've heard all of this stuff. I've seen and heard all of this stuff. So there is such a thing as left-wing authoritarianism, just to make that clear. There were a lot more similarities, though, between the two groups than differences, so much so that it seems there is a shared constellation of traits that might be considered the heart of authoritarianism. These shared traits include, quote, a preference for social uniformity, Prejudice towards different others, willingness to wield group authority to coerce behavior, cognitive rigidity, aggression, and punitiveness towards perceived uh, enemies, as well as outsized concern for hierarchy and moral absolutism. Those are the traits of authoritarianism. Do you exhibit any of them? I probably have some cognitive rigidity. I, I, I probably have some of that. I think a lot of people do, especially as you get older. Less openness to, you know, new ideas. But part of that is because, like, I've gone through and I've done a lot of, you know, thinking and researching and examination of a lot of issues over the course of my life. And so, like, the ideas and opinions I've come to, like, I, I feel like I've come to them through due diligence, now, the, again, though, I, I say often, like, I am open to be persuaded. This is also one of the reasons, and it's a, probably a terrible example, but I'll give it. Okay, it's, the, um, it's, it's about zoning. Like, I am an all-of-the-above kind of guy. Like, I want all of the above. I want I want there to be the opportunity for people to build all sorts of stuff. Because I may not like it, but other people will. And at some point, somebody's going to, you know, find some way to build or some design or whatever, and a lot of people are going to like it, and, and then I'll be able to, to enjoy it. Like the, the, the skyscrapers, and I never understand this. Like People are like, oh, that, that skyscraper, that's an ugly skyscraper. Let's critique the look of the skyscraper. Like, Yeah, but look at the whole skyline. Do you want a skyline that looks the same, where all the buildings look the same? I don't. I want a skyline that looks different. And that was one of the knocks, by the way, on Charlotte years ago, is that all the buildings kind of look the same. But now you got a lot of diversity of stock, and I like that. Um, I know, I'm not an authoritarian. This is one of the things, like, that's why I call myself a lowercase L libertarian. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. I'm a live and let live kind of a guy. Unfortunately, it seems like I'm surrounded by people that are constantly trying to tell me and everybody else how they should live. And just... Just leave people alone. Why can't you just leave people alone? Just let them do their thing, right? And I think if more people sort of adopted that posture, first off, it would reduce the size of government because you don't need a government to use force to get people to do a lot of the stuff that you want them to do. Just let people make their own choices on this stuff. Um, The way they did the experiment was pretty interesting. They uh, gave people uh, they they let them set a difficulty level on a group of puzzles, and then um, they were shown people uh, who would be used who would be doing the puzzles, and they were shown their Facebook profiles. And what they found was that the left wing authoritarians punished their puzzler people, their partners. They punished them more once they found out that they they might be right wingers. That's what they did. So that's how they tested some of this. Pretty interesting study. Brett Winterbull coming up next. Stay tuned. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.